Welcome to Selfie Development, a podcast about the weird and wonderful world of wellness and self-improvement. Each episode, we look at a different wellness trend or practice to find out what actually works and what's kind of a waste of time and energy. I'm Katie Gordon, a yoga teacher and coach. I'm Annabelle Lee. I write about wellness. Come and find us at Selfie Development Pod on Instagram for more wellness chat. Hi, Annabelle. Hi, Katie. This week, we are going to be talking about acupuncture. Have you ever had acupuncture? I have had acupuncture a couple of times. I've had acupuncture for neck and shoulder pain. Mm -hmm. And I had some acupuncture when I was pregnant. I have had it, but I don't 100% understand how it works. Oh, I absolutely don't understand how it works. But I have had it again when pregnant and I'm currently having it. Well, not right now, but at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) We're actually doing this episode. (laughs) Covered in needles. (laughs) Yeah. Did you know that it's one of the most researched alternative treatments? No, but I guess that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of evidence. And the person that we're talking to today, Joe Jennings, Aside from being a lovely person and a friend of mine, he is an acupuncturist and he's been practicing acupuncture and Chinese medicine for over a decade. And he takes pride in able being able to make his work as accessible as possible. He runs Holistic Health Oxford and the community acupuncture team. His clinic is the first carbon negative clinic. He takes interns and he also sits on the board of the Association of Community and Multibed Acupuncture Clinics. So he's really interesting, not just because he's an acupuncturist, but because he's got a really interesting business model based around trying to make acupuncture accessible to everyone, reasonably priced. So I'd love to chat to him about that as well as acupuncture and and how it works with those needles. That sounds great because we've been talking so much this season about community wellness and accessibility of wellness practices so really interesting to see how he's doing it and yes learn what is going on when we get a needle stuck in us yeah absolutely hello joe welcome to the podcast hello so you have been an acupuncturist for a decade or so yeah what is acupuncture exactly can you explain it as though no one's ever heard of it before yeah (laughs) Um, I guess nuts and bolts is it is yeah inserting ultra fine needles into specific points on the body to try and elicit a response to get the system back into balance. Okay, and why why did you become interested in it? Why do you practice it? I, I always wanted to do health of one sort or another when I was younger. I also really wanted to go on a gap year, um, <laughs> and the year I was finishing A levels was the year before top up fees. So I applied for a deferred spot at medical schools and they instantly saw through my ruse. I got uh. one interview, uh, which didn't go so great, but went traveling anyway, picked up some books on Taoism. I was absolutely fascinated by it. Came back and did a year of business and management, which was pretty boring. But yeah, there was so few contact hours that I ended up doing, uh, I think three nutritional diplomas and looked at, it, it just realized that my passion was still health did look at different options i'd sort of toyed with homeopathy naturopathy for a while but yeah i was just really drawn by the fact that acupuncture and or chinese medicine is its own standalone medical theory really and so yeah it's a whole health system that you can really look at the body how it works um and have these quite unusual diagnostic techniques like tongue and pulse which are just yeah it's still endlessly fascinating and the depth that it's um, got to in the you know thousands and thousands of years that it's been mm. going is just amazing. 
do people actually know how it works, like the mechanics behind how it works? We're getting there, I think is the fair answer. Anywhere you put a needle, there will be a, 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 an acupuncture needle. Don't go. Not just a sewing needle. Knitting needle. No, no. It's the fact that it does tiny tiny bit of damage it's like a micro trauma some people would say and so you're always going to get more blood flow into the area a sort of positive immune response um, and the release of some of the body's natural painkillers so kind of anywhere you put it you're going to be able to help with pain um, mm-hmm. which is why there are all these sort of new medical spin-offs like medical acupuncture and trigger point therapies things like that um, and they get reasonable results for pain the bit that I suppose is a bit trickier to fully comprehend with acupuncture and like we're still there on all the biomechanisms is that each different point has different outcomes associated with it. One of my favorite uh, still to stay is um, Zhu Sanli, which I think translates as, I'll probably butcher it, but something like three extra mile point. And it's said that back in the day when they were moving armies across the country, um, they'd sit down for a while, rub that point, and then they could walk through extra miles oh i could do with that um, where is it uh, so it's a palm's width below the knee the base of the knee okay, and then a yeah. uh, little pinky's width away from the bone there and you can feel most acupuncture there's a little dip to it but more interestingly than that i think is that the piece of research that i think is most fascinating is that it's an anti-aging point on the genetic level oh my gosh okay um so it incredible how they actually managed to work this out but it reduces the reduction in the telomeres which is the sort of bit of genetic code at the end of chromosomes that when it gets too short replication um sort of fails or gets cancerous it goes a bit weird oh, and, right. up and then the cell line is destroyed or or cancer develops but yeah um, acupuncture slows down that reduction and so on one of the biggest theories is and on the genetic level is an anti-aging point but it, that point also increases the body's biggest um, natural antioxidant and the other main theory on aging is free radical damage so right. it's kind of got it does everything it's it, yeah it, it's mad. and that's just that one point like all of them will have slightly different biomechanisms associated with them okay. so actually once you've got the complete picture and I suppose the, the theory that's been developed behind Chinese medicine you can then actually be really quite nuanced in in how you approach the system and what you do with it and why such essentially a relatively simple technique like you're just stabbing people a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> can be applied in such a beneficial manner to like such a variety of conditions how do you even research that though I don't, how do you go i mean i, I know you're not was on mice uh, right uh, one of them was on yeah I, I, you can't just have sort of cell lines to do that kind of research you have to see how it's reacting in a whole body so mm. commonly it's it's with mice for those kinds of okay um, yeah i think um there's been other ways to find different biomechanisms but yeah mice mice isn't uncommon okay or animal studies and acupuncture is one of the most researched alternative medicines isn't it if that's what, what i've yeah and aside from sort of pharmaceuticals it's the fastest growing area of research within medical things so faster than physio osteo kind of even the more mainstream ones yeah the research is growing at a pace okay. yeah and can you also tell us a bit about the evidence i mean i mean you've mentioned some already yeah. but what is the evidence again getting there <laughs> yeah, um, the biggest data set we have is was produced by mcpherson and vickers and is um, a meta-analysis of oh gosh i forget how many different um randomized control trials but enough that they built um, a data set of 21,000 people and was primarily looking at chronic pain but also headache migraine 
and there was a certain amount of anxiety and depression in there as well. And that's a big enough data set that you can now say with complete certainty that acupuncture is beyond placebo, which right. is nice. It's yeah, very effective for pain, chronic pain, headache and migraine. And there was enough evidence to say that it's, it looks like it's good for uh, depression and anxiety, but the data set needs to be a little bit larger. Mm. There wasn't quite enough to pull out differences between different styles or different protocols within acupuncture. But yeah, that's the biggest one. And that's the one that's allowed us to have beyond the nice guidelines for chronic pain. And we're pretty much the only active treatment yeah, for um, chronic pain now that the nice guidelines recommend. Um, so what does that mean in, t in layman's terms? Uh, so NICE is the um, National Institute of Clinical Excellence, um, which recommends protocols for the NHS to adopt. doesn't mean they will become the protocols, but they should be considered. Um, it does mean that in certain areas, acupuncture is starting to become uh, more available on the NHS for chronic pain conditions mm -hmm. uh, and headache and migraine in some instances. But it's, it's very patchy um, and it's mainly coming out of there's new sort of enhanced access funding which is basically to do evenings and weekends and doctors don't really want to do that much right fair yeah. Enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah there's been i think four different um places across the uk now that have opened those i was one of them in oxford it lasted all of six weeks before the commission and group decided they didn't want to fund it huh. is that social prescribing then or is that something different no that was um with me anyway it was the gps commissioned essentially the, the the primary care network so it was three gp surgeries um in east oxford right and that's the kind of way they're going i think social prescribers can recommend but because there's no sort of free at the point of service like usually they're more i think as far as i understand they're recommending more to like community and sort of charity projects um where people can just join in for free and they've got they've okay. drawn down sort of funding so that that's the next step essentially trying to draw down funding pots so that then the gp is happy to refer people to me right. yeah but yeah sorry i'm going back to your discussion that's so yeah for, for chronic pain conditions we're, we're really there the research is i'd say very promising in terms of um fertility mental health insomnia it is pretty broad but the wider you look the fewer studies and certainly the fewer um systemic reviews or meta-analysis where they've got a collection of studies and sort of pulled the evidence there and i think if you look on the cochrane collaboration which is sort of i guess the sort of the final word in terms of medical research where it, most of them are saying that there needs to be more research or better quality research right. but if you look at the un i think there's 159 conditions they recommend acupuncture for wow so it's yeah and it's starting to get taken up more and more so internationally yeah in some pretty dark ways another really exciting bit of research was that acupuncture again on the pain side was not only you know safe it's, it's always been proved to be safe which mm -hmm. when you compare to some medical um, procedures is important uh, yeah obviously yeah. <laughs> cost effective um, but for pain it was as strong as morphine faster acting safe um, none of the side effects wow which led to battlefield acupuncture being a thing oh yeah okay. so the u.s military have developed a, a branch of acupuncture whereby they'll have acupuncturists on the field or at least people trained in acupuncture um that can administer acupuncture to the soldiers and because it's not morphine they can then leave the soldiers otherwise they'll have to stay with them so it can be much more efficient cheaper and cheaper and also a chance that because the pain effect is so 
strong the soldiers might be able to get back to work. So <laughs> we might <laughs> get them back on their feet and fighting. So, yeah, right. probably not what acupuncture was originally Lovely. developed for. But, um, no, yeah. probably not. <laughs> Is acupuncture, do you call it an alternative therapy or... Yeah. Is that problematic? Like, we certainly come under the branch of complementary alternative therapies. I think it's a bit unfair, <laughs> given that it is its own standalone medical practice. And I hope ultimately that we'll move towards integration because it just makes sense. Like acupuncture is, yeah, safer, faster, more cost effective than certainly some treatments. On what would the integration look like, though? Do you think? Uh, it would definitely have to be in community clinics, so multi-beds where right. uh, to keep cost effectiveness up. Whether it would be sort of in-house or referred out, I don't know. Probably the oldest example in the UK is the Gateway Clinic in London, which I think has been going since mid to late 80s. Mm. And that's for pain conditions, uh, anxiety and depression, um, which would be referred by GPs. And then you can also self-refer if you're in recovery from drugs and alcohol. Right. I think they also help cancer patients as well but more around this dealing with the symptoms mm. or side effects um of, of the chemo yeah so there are notable examples out there but um it, again it's super patchy yeah. so what we've talked about a lot on this podcast is how everything is designed to make money in wellness so i'd really love it if you would talk a bit about your business model and why you decided to do a community acupuncture clinic yeah i joke that um so when I first came out of uni, I was able, back when there was still funding, to do four years on a drug and rehab service. Mm -hmm. Well, two different ones, actually. The, it changed who won the commissioning halfway through. And it was free at the point of use for the service users. Yeah. And yeah, I joke that kind of broke my career. It made it is probably a fair <laughs> way to look at it. But oh, yeah, it was very hard then to go to sort of charging, you know, 45 or the market rate. Um, per session because um, of your personal morals or just I guess because of that experience but yeah I do wholeheartedly believe that healthcare should be um, a human right that acupuncture is effective um, and cost effective and safe healthcare and so should be included in the NHS as that basic human right so yeah I suppose ever since then I've been striding or striving to get back to that and then starting yeah the community connects it was about eight years ago now was that step towards that initially it was just sort of a half day but it's now i'm doing four days a week and we've got four other clinics with four other practitioners across oxfordshire wow and then there is a sort of national network of community acupuncture clinics that we're trying to to roll them out even further mm -hmm. and then yeah the british acupuncture council now sort of actively looking at how we can get into the nhs so we're definitely uh, trying to make it as accessible as possible but that that's certainly been my mission very sort of wholeheartedly in the last 10 years and sort of definitely ticking over in the background. But yeah, I, I suppose the way a community on multi-bed works is that there are just multiple beds in the room. Um, so you'd have probably most commonly three or four patients an hour. So 15 to 20 minutes with the patient to get the needles in. And then because with acupuncture, you, you leave people to rest, almost there's different ways to practice it, but predominantly people left with the needles um, to rest for about half an hour to 40 minutes. You can then move on to the other two people on the other two beds and yeah go back to the initial one mm. take needs out 
go for the next one. Yeah, I've, I've been to one and actually I prefer it because you just get that lovely little half hour nap before you have to take the needles out. Yeah. It's nice. And actually, in, in America, they do it where you can just stay as long as you want. Oh, really? Oh, careful. Yeah, I had a patient from Boston and at one point and he was like, yeah, I just fell asleep and like woke up two hours later and was like, oh, I guess I'm <laughs> oh, done God, now. Oh, God, that sounds the right. out. <laughs> <laughs> It's more of a stripped back version and they just sort of do it in recliners. Um, right. I potentially argue the benefits might not be quite as good as full body acupuncture there or a more extensive approach but that's more from my experience than really having data to fully back that up mm. um, yeah and the big question i know that we both talk about a lot is how do you make it financially sustainable operating like that yeah so i have a sliding most communities have a sliding scale rate of somewhere between sort of 15 to 40, mine operate a 19 to 35 a session. So actually, at least if you're fully booked, you probably end up earning a bit more at a community clinic than you would as one-to-one. Right. Um, and then depending whether you're, I suppose, renting clinic space or you've got your own, we tend to, at least with the community clinics, be in community centres. Um, and so actually the overheads, the room in particular, is a lot lower than the sort of private clinics you could be in. Um, but is it not path. more intense though if you're treating four people or uh, do you find it is it just normal to you now <laughs> i guess it's normal to me now and i since having a second child i'm doing three people an hour rather than four so i've got loads of time right? sure. <laughs> 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 uh, at the same time i'm now up to probably the most patients a week i think you do have to be cautious and and definitely yeah if you've got kids or just other things going on or for whatever reason if your energy is I definitely have to self-regulate, self-manage, and I've regularly got some herb, Chinese herbs on the go and some supplements and just things to kind of, yeah, keep me going. But um, no, for me, I'm, I'm used to it and I've been doing it long enough, it's fine. But I've, I've definitely seen other practitioners say that it's, it is a bit of more of an intense way of working. Yeah. I guess for me, having that experience in the rehab clinics, um, especially the last two years where it's hard minimization, I grew a thicker skin. Um, right. There were people that had just tried to commit suicide the day before or just just really tricky and harrowing cases. Um, so I don't tend to get too emotionally attached or triggered. Obviously, I care for my patients. I really want them to feel better, but it doesn't yeah. have that sort of... It, it doesn't tax me, I guess, in the same way that perhaps things used to. And I think some practitioners still get that if they have lots of sort of intense interactions with people. And some argue, and I think that's fair to say, that because you've got less time with the patient, you can't sort of be a sort of talking therapies as well. Mm, you just have to very yeah. quickly get a list of symptoms, do your diagnostic questions, feel mm. the tongue and pulse, and then kind of move them on. So, yeah, although the you know, physically you're more busy, I think in other ways it's easier. Right, okay, that makes sense. That's really interesting because I know some things I've read around the wellness industry in general or maybe more alternative therapies rather than kind of integrated therapies is around that people want, like sometimes people are going to something because they just want someone to... They, they, they want that. To be they want after. like therapy, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting that actually... But I guess with acupuncture, the thing is you are sort of receiving a physical thing aren't you you're, you're aware it's like it's happening it's so you you're kind of getting you're yeah, you getting can feel something. the you needles feel it. usually yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's the needles that's going to be the benefit so yeah i it's, you know sometimes if people are in a really emotional state i'll almost try and move them on a bit faster so they get more time with mm. the needles without trying to obviously be callous in any way 
but yeah, I think you definitely do get people that just need some compassion, need a bit of care. Yeah, just yeah want well, that sort of time with people. Yeah, that they don't, yeah you, you get know. to chat to someone and lie down and you know have a bit of physical touch, even if it is just through needles. I, w- yeah. I wonder if that is part of why it works. I don't know how you can separate that out in a study. <laughs> I was joking about that with a patient the other day. I, I, I don't think you could and pass an ethical board. Yeah, I think you'd have to like get them on a jogging machine or something with needles in which yeah. is just or just be rude or something I mean I think if they still lay down because definitely the relaxation adds to it and, and mm. we know bedside manner adds to it and the experience of the room I mean ours is it, I, I love it to bits but like it's a pretty scratchy, scratchy room with like yeah. a bar hatch and a dartboard in and so it's it's not the most beautiful some people do want that pampering experience right. and will pay hundreds even thousands for that as a bit more spartan in that mm-hmm. way but yeah. we I, i'd say definitely get similar results actually i don't think there's there's much of a drop at all compared to the one-to-one patients that i do okay um, again more in my experience but a decade off um, so rather than active data yeah, yeah so that might suggest that it's i think the majority the of the impact so is I, I think no i think it does play a part but i think the majority is the needles mm. yeah okay can you tell us a little bit about energy and chi because we were talking about this in an earlier podcast episode about EFT which right. I believe uses acupuncture acupressure yeah points. you tap on different points a lot a lot yeah, on the face and on the hands slightly less evidence based yeah acupuncture yeah that's that's fair <laughs> um, <laughs> I've I've heard good anecdotes um, mm-hmm. but yeah it, it's hard to pull out too much from that I should preface this with I did all the maths and science at uni and that my brain kind of works in that way. So I struggle with the the more sort of fluffy and woo-woo terms yeah. in Chinese medicine. Fair enough. The way I look at qi is rather than some sort of, you know, ephemeral mist that we're kind of like, it, it's more like the functions of the system. So we've got the wei qi, which is the protective qi, which is basically the immune system. We've got the Jiang Chi, which is more the upright and a little bit more to do with digestion. There's, it's, it is really interesting to look at and then I suppose sort of in a way cross-reference or look at comparisons. Chinese medicine, I think there's a beauty in a way how simplistic some of the terminology is. So patients that have heat, you can kind of expect they might be a bit more red-faced. They might have more inflammation. They um, might have some more skin conditions. You, by saying sort of heat or cold or dampness, you can kind of get a bit of an idea of the sort of uh, yeah analogies that I might allude to. But then the more you sort of study, the more you realize how sort of in-depth and broken down into different areas that that can become. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some people suggesting that the qi does actually correspond to gases in the body. So the nitric oxide in the blood and how that dilates the blood vessels and helps with blood flow. So it's said that the qi is in the blood and drives or guides the blood. This has taken me way back to uni. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah there, are, there are comparisons there. But um, again, I don't necessarily know that we have an exact answer on what the chi is or what Mm. the meridians are. Again, probably the best theory on that is the fascia pathways, which is sort of the interconnective tissues, which we're starting to understand is so much more than just an inner skin. Like, Mm. yeah, it's so important in movement and transportation and communication. And and the more understanding, the more it kind of seems like maybe it could be the meridians. But 
yeah we're still we're still getting there on that front as well okay <laughs> yeah that makes sense something that's coming up a lot in this series of the podcast we're talking a lot about like why is wellness so self-indulgent <laughs> like so um self-obsessed and that's like why we call the podcast selfie development because it seems that so much of kind of this space is about like self-optimize yourself we're really interested in thinking how can we what do we need to do to shift some of this focus from self to community wellness and i yeah i wonder if you have any thoughts on that yeah i've read a really amazing book recently i'm gonna forget who it's by now but it was something like inflammation the anatomy of injustice and it was looking at oh i've heard of that uh, i want to read that definitely okay especially as a health practitioner although it kind of it makes our lives harder but um it's hard for me to not give a political answer to that go for it why not you know it comes down to sort of neo-thatrite individualism that we the whole society has just become all pervasive to the point that now we're doing it to ourselves Mm. so yeah I I think definitely more of a community shift and focus is going to be important and definitely these tools are really useful and obviously it's what I've learned and know how to do but I think until we start having things like maybe a four-day working week or better workers rights or a living wage and yeah not in the middle of a crisis after crisis Mm -hmm. it's going to be tricky like people don't have the time they don't have the money and in a way that's partly why these things have become luxury and then they do work but then the gloop for instance has things to answer for yeah Um, gloop 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 sorry yeah Yeah. um but yeah that's a tricky level to i guess operate at but it would probably half my patient needs like so much what i see is stress-based stress-induced definitely saw that over the corona crisis where there was a sudden influx of nhs workers and teaching staff and it was all mental health conditions or um migraines just just the stress and pressure that everyone was under so yeah we need a government that isn't sort of so wholeheartedly focused on ruining our lives yeah Uh, yeah, that'd be nice (laughs) yeah if we all were doing a four-day week we would probably be less stressed and we would have more time to be in community and and serve other people a bit more as well yeah and i think a lot of these these traditions do come from very community-minded spheres it's just that the way they're being applied now is is just yeah kind of antithetical i mean with yoga it's yeah it's it's a real shame there should be more projects to make them more available but i just think people that need them the most are those with the least time and money yeah it's really hard though isn't it because as you know practitioners also don't have a lot of time and money so it's tricky to find out how you can make that work and keep everyone well and healthy yeah and some modalities i think it, it kind of is impossible unless you're able to draw down funding like the only reason I've been able to do the community clinics is because you leave people with the needles if it's sort of massage or something like that well it's Mm. still one to one but you have to be with them the whole time and give them enough time to be useful it's just not possible yeah you can't just give them a thorough gun and leave them on their own so I see you in half (laughs) an hour yeah yeah Yeah, it'd be nice to see more initiatives out there that do do try and address yeah how 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 we can help people more again sort of more integration with NHS I think would be great but Again, and it's roots that's that is political, and yeah, it's tricky. Um, mm. Really tricky. No easy answers for us there, Joe. It's disappointing <laughs> yeah, that you haven't got a whole plan for <laughs> yeah. how we can do it. You don't want to run for government? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you so much. That's been fascinating. I'm really great to hear so much about acupuncture and how it helps and a bit of the quite complicated evidence. But yeah, thanks for trying to explain it to us. Pleasure. No, thank you. So what do you think about acupuncture now? I thought that was really interesting. I thought the stuff that Joe said about how it works was really helpful for understanding mm. it. And I thought that I loved his approach that it's not about sort of, you know, like broad, just like how you feel. It was specific. Mm-hmm. I love the use cases. I love the example about battlefield acupuncture. Oh my God, yeah. Fascinating. And it also really made me think about how we treat a lot of wellness modalities that quite often they are lumped in as alternative therapies. And I think that the evidence behind acupuncture and sort of that shifting more to Mm -hmm. a kind of middle ground and then hopefully to a completely kind of accepted therapy or healthcare was brilliant. And I think that all the evidence behind it and the research that's gone into it is is wonderful and it, it really I think there's probably a lot of other modalities that you know hopefully might follow that same path because yeah. the benefits seem for some of those cases where it's used like pain and stress and mental health stuff like wonderful wonderful outcomes so I, I it really helped me understand it a lot more yeah I think it's interesting isn't it because we we tend to regard all forms of wellness practices as the same yeah and obviously some are going to work better than others and and there happens to be a lot more evidence on acupuncture than there is on most other ones which might be just because it is better or it might be just because the other ones haven't caught up I mean I think we've talked about some that are a bit more dubious but yeah I found acupuncture to be really helpful and I I've always slightly questioned, is it just like that I'm being looked after for half an hour and like having a lie down and someone's being nice to me and asking me how I am? And I think that's probably part of everything, but it does seem to be that that isn't why it works. Yeah. That it is the needles and the practice itself. Yeah. And I think this comes up quite a lot. I know certainly when I've been researching topics that I write about, there'll be like one study that's Mm. been done on this thing. And a lot of wellness is really under-researched sometimes because it's just a new thing or there might really not be any evidence there might be kind of debate as to the effectiveness of it yeah and also some wellness practices like a sound bath for example the benefits that you're getting there is literally because (laughs) you're lying down and you're listening you know and and that is kind of part of the treatment um although you know we know that does things to your brainwaves and helps you relax but it's harder it, to measure as it's, well. It's all like self-reported. Yeah. So it's harder to measure some of these things as well. So it's like, well, how do you feel better now or, or afterwards? And that's not so scientific. Yeah. Is it? I mean, it gives you a level of um, understanding, but not necessarily like we can measure that the baseline was this and then improve by however many percentage. Yeah. And also because why are you going into it for? What are you going into it for? Mm-hmm. Is it because you're going into acupuncture because you've got chronic migraines and you can't work? Yeah. Or are you going into a practice because you want to stretch out your calves a bit? Or like yeah. th- There's different use cases, aren't there? And I think it certainly feels to me from that conversation that acupuncture is kind of occupying, like Joe said, a kind of integrated kind of middle ground. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah, definitely. And I loved hearing what he's doing in terms of community care. Yeah. 
it's great isn't it i wish we could do that across all wellness practices but it's just it's trickier i guess the more we see that and the more people because i think people do get into wellness because they want to help people mm. and it's just how can you do it practically the more examples there are of it the more opportunities there will be for other people to like learn and yeah. think about how we can do these things um, and more funding hopefully as well yeah more funding from you know because that's the thing it's not just up to individual people or practitioners to do it mm. um where that can come from i think that's yeah brilliant i loved hearing about that and that's one example and i think what would be great is to you know we'll look for more and tell us if you know of anybody yeah, doing sure. wellness in a different way or mm. um yeah we'd care. love to hear about that yeah any community care examples would be great because that is I, I still think going into this series we wanted to explore that more and I think we've th there are certain examples but I think it is and it is interesting because it does get quite political and we've had quite sort mm. of political conversations this series but I think that is a part of wellness it's not all self it's not all about yourself that's going to maybe make you less well if you're just thinking yeah, about yourself all the time it's a balance isn't it of self-resourcing and self-regulating like we talked about in the mum rage episode and also having community care and community resources as well yeah and being a part of it being a part of the community we have come to the end of Season two of Selfie Development. I can't believe it. How? I know. It's flown by. I've really enjoyed recording this season. It's been great. We've had some amazing guests on. I think we've gone deeper. We've learnt more. Yeah. I mean, I love chatting to you, but it's been really great yeah. having people who are, <laughs> yeah. you know, experts. <laughs> and then I think we've got a few ideas percolating away for season three. But... Let us know if you've got any requests, if there's topics that you'd like covered. Yeah. Come and find us on Instagram. We're at Selfie Development Pod on there. We will pick up any messages. So that's the best way to get in touch. And we'll be back in the autumn, hopefully. In the autumn. Yeah, that's the plan. With season three. So in the meantime, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'd love any shares of the podcast if you think any of your friends would enjoy it too. And if you could give us any five-star reviews, five-star reviews only, please, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Come and find us on Instagram at Selfie Development Pod. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. We recorded this podcast at Story 94. Thanks so much to Nick and Matt for editing and production. <laughs>